Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Hello, Patriots. Trebo, President, United Patriot Coin. Today's story time is back in a day when our currency represented real money. What I'm holding in my hand right here is a $10 gold certificate that simply states to pay on demand $10 in gold coin. To make that simple, this was real money and this was a receipt representing real money. Fast forward to today, fiat currency, backed by the government's promise to pay. <laughs> Let you understand that, right? If it was still backed by gold, this one coin would get you 220 gallons of gas at $5 a gallon. I don't have to tell you that that would only get you two gallons of gas. You figure out what's going to get you further. Hard money, fiat currency. As always, stay safe, be prepared. Hey, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the things that I'm just perplexed by is how we have so many young people out here that would prefer a socialist economic model to the free market, free enterprise system that we have here that, you know, really looks at grooming and growing individual entrepreneurship. So I thought that I would talk to someone that is now, we've gotten united. I was just on his uh, program, and that is Jay Mamie. Jay Mamie is a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, a CEO, and creator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. He is a noted 10-time author, keynote speaker, and sales psychology trainer, and he is also a competitive bodybuilder as well, something I am not. I would rather get out and run four or five miles than to sit in the gym and try to hurt myself. So, Jay, welcome to the Steadfast and Lower Program. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, brother. I've been looking forward to this day, so I'm ready to bring some value to your listeners. Well, appreciate it. And what, once again, what a great honor it was that I could be on your uh, talk radio show. And, and thank you for lowering your standards and allowing old parents <laughs> to be there. But uh, kind of give everyone your background. You know, how is it that you came to be this, like I say, an, an incredible sales psychologist, uh, sales master course uh, developer, uh, just just give us a, a background about who is Jay Mamie. You know, I, I believe that we become who we are sometimes by necessity, uh -huh. uh, not oftentimes by decision. Right. So my, uh, my my upbringing was a difficult one. I'm a product of adoption, New York City adoption back in the late 60s. I grew, me and my twin brother, mm -hmm. we were raised by uh, very poor Puerto Rican parents that moved from Puerto Rico here in the 60s 
in Spanish Harlem, which was a very difficult place to to raise children in the 70s with the gangs and the drugs and the things yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, the bottom line is that if I wanted to have the latest pair of sneakers, if I wanted to have the, the cool Jordas jeans yeah. uh, and the Walkmans back in the in those days, I, I had to figure out a way to go make money. My father was working three jobs already. My mother was a stay at home mom. Uh, we were broke. We were we were just poor. And uh, so I had to go out and figure out ways at 13 years old to generate money to buy the sneakers and buy the jeans. And uh, luckily I lived right across, not across, but a few blocks away from Century Park, mm -hmm. the north side of Century Park, where all the guys used to go on Saturday and Sundays play baseball and drink and leave the cans and the bottles on the ground. <laughs> 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 so, so me and my brother would grab our shopping carts and big old plastic bag yep. and uh, the Puerto Rican shopping carts uh, where my mom used to do groceries. We would go out there, collect the bottles and cans, and trade them in for a nickel um, at the uh, supermarket right across the street from the projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that what that did for me, uh, Colonel, was it gave me a chance to recognize two things. Number one, that opportunities abound. Yeah. You just got to look for it. And number two, when some will see poop, others will see profit. Yes, I saw profit. I didn't see poop on the ground. And I was just amazed Even at 13 years old. I was amazed that people were walking by nickels, nickels, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they didn't see nickels. They saw bottles and cans. Right. Out of necessity, I had to see nickels. I couldn't afford to see bottles and cans. And uh, that instilled in me as an entrepreneurial spirit, like a light switch went off. And I realized, mm -hmm. wow, you can pull money out of thin air. And uh, I went on to become a, a 16 years old. I was a personal trainer, uh, training people in my own business. I used to do taxes wow. for uh, simple returns for folks in the neighborhood. H&R Block was bagging them out for 50 bucks. I undercut them for 25 and would do that simple 1040 easy yep. return. Yep. And, and then I went on to do acting in Broadway and personal training and then financial services. And that whole resume has brought me to where I am today. You know, what an incredible story, because first and foremost, I'm a I'm a big pro-life supporter and we don't hear enough talk about adoption. We don't hear enough talk about the value of, you know, lives. And I just became a grandpa uh, second time uh, just a couple of days ago. And uh, he my little grandson, Levi Allen, was born three pounds, two and a half ounces mm -hmm. at 29 weeks. But. We've got to get back to talking about that, and we've got to raise our children to understand that there is value in life, and when we undermine it, when we, you know, back when I was a kid, my dad didn't give me an allowance. My dad gave me a water hose, a bucket, and a lawnmower, and he said, go out there and figure it out. What has happened, you think, especially, you know, I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta. You grew up there in, uh, in Spanish Harlem. What has happened in our core cities to that understand that sense of parental responsibility and challenging our children to go out there and do as you were challenged to do, figure it out yourself. You know, I, I think I'm going to give you a three part answer to that because I think about that all the time. I, when yeah. I write books, I write about that stuff. And, you know, for me it's personal because I, I don't, I'm not talking to talk. I walk the walk. I've yeah. lived there. You know, I look back now and I say, what the heck's going on? I think that we've made it too easy for people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, whether it's through programs or handouts or whatever that is given, I think that kids today are given an easy pass, right? Uh, I didn't have an easy pass. You didn't have an easy pass. So you said the key words, you had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. 
Today, we don't give kids a chance to figure it out. It's too easy. And for parents, uh, it's made easy for them to make it easy for the kids. You know, you and I were talking about that uh, on our show. Yeah. How uh, what I see in my neighborhood and the communities out here in Dallas, which I never saw in Texas, in New York, where some of these communities, they have these schools uh, within the communities and the long line of cars uh, that line up right before it's time to pick up junior. <laughs> it's amazing because the parent won't let junior walk. 10 yards to the parking lot to meet him in the parking lot, but he's got to pick him up right in front of the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll wait an hour just so that junior or Julie doesn't have to walk much. And that's instilled early on. So what do you end up creating? You end up creating kids that think that, that the world is going to give them what they want. It's easy. Anything hard is not worth doing. Mm -hmm. And it's a culture, I think of complacency that is where we are right now. And I got to tell you, brother, it's not getting any better. Yeah. And I, I'm scared about the next 5, 10, 20 years. And we're going to be raising a generation of, uh, you know, lily livers and, and what I call, uh, you know, wimps and weenies mm -hmm. if we don't get this stuff figured out. Well, I call it the culture of the participation trophy. You know, when mm. all of a sudden you try to give kids this little plastic trinket to make them feel good about themselves. But uh, it doesn't help instead of getting out there and inspiring them to to do better and to, you know, again, think through these things, develop their own critical thinking skills. You brought up a great point whereby you said at the age of 16 or 17 or so, you're out there undermining H&R Block. <laughs> by, <laughs> I'm sure they're not happy about that. But you're no. out there undermining H&R Block, you know, helping people with their 1040 easy forms. Why is education so important? Because it starts with you understanding math. Why is it that we don't want our kids to get that type of quality education in science, technology, engineering, math, which opens those doors of opportunity? Well, I'd say I think one of those reasons uh, it's control. You mm -hmm. know, when you limit access, then people have to go to you to get more of it. Right. So if you limit the access and the resources to people, um, then people will have to go back to you for more. And that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Right. This yeah. handout. Give me, give me, give me, give me. That's a that's toxic. Right. It doesn't yep. build fortitude. Um, having the ability to go out and be resourceful and getting the knowledge is always going to keep you a step ahead, even if. And this is what I tell my son is 14 years old. I said, even if. That knowledge or that access to you may not be the in abundance. There's always places, there's always people, there's always mentors, there's always ways for you to find what you need to know to grow. So don't make excuses that, and I think that's the problem. It's just, well, no one ever told me. Well, then go find out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's the crux of it. Ultimately, you know, when I did my 1040 easy, there wasn't an accountant that was teaching. There was, there was no accountant that's going to teach a 16-year-old about taxes. So you know what I did, Colonel? At that time, you can apply for the uh, the federal tax preparer, because I was a federal tax preparer. Mm -hmm. You could just go online, uh, fill out the form, send it out. They would send you the test. You take the test. If you passed it, they gave you a certificate that said you can prepare taxes. And that's what gave me the right to do those returns. Mm -hmm. I had to go out to get that. Yeah. I, you, I think this, there's something to be said about going out to get it, not wait around for it. And that's the difference between the novice and the ninja. 
Great point. Great point. You know, I call it the victor and the victim. You, you know, there's a great little video because you say, you know, Jay does not just talk to talk. He walks the walk. I would encourage you to go to his uh, website and see this little four and a half, maybe five minute video of him interviewing his son. And this is mm. coming out of COVID. And just to see your interaction with your son, who had had a broken wrist, mm -hmm. uh, fractured elbow, went through COVID, and still through all of this adversity, he comes out on the dean's list at school and everything. Talk to us about that interview you did with your son, because I'm, I, it's so important that it starts in the home. You know, that's a, I'm so happy you saw that video. I'm so happy that you, and I'm going to tell my son that you saw that video. He's going to be overjoyed because, <laughs> yeah, he, it, was great. he it, it really is. And I, you know, he's still too young to understand the magnitude of what he did. Yeah. He was just hanging out with dad at the studio. He doesn't understand yet the magnitude and the, and the, uh, the impact that he's going to make. And clearly, you know, it caught your attention. Um, what I told him was, uh, I, I said, look, you know, you can come hang out with dad if you want, but you've got a message. And as I was interviewing a number of other people prior to to that one, I looked at my son and I said, wait a minute. If I am promoting so going beyond surviving to thriving, mm -hmm. why am I looking at all these other examples outside of my very own home? I got a young guy here who broke his wrist. He uh, his arm COVID. We had just moved from New York. Mm -hmm. He was getting teased and bullied because of his teeth. Uh, you know, he's got big teeth. Um, he's got ADHD. I mean, all sorts. And, and, and as a result, we had to homeschool him. True story. Yeah. We had no plans on coming to Texas to homeschool. But a year into it, because of all the things that were happening, we had to go into a homeschool environment. So now he's got limited exposure to friends, with the exception of, a, of his ninja team. You know, and so... He, in all those obstacles, I'm looking at this young guy thinking, my God, this guy got A grades, he's competing in Ninja, and he's tackling all these obstacles better than adults do. Mm -hmm. Why am I going out trying to find some of these, these other celebrity type people? I got one right in my own home. Yeah. This little guy, he don't know the impact he's going to make one day. So I wanted him to, to I wanted people to, to recognize that, you know, impact can happen. Thrive-minded can happen at any age, at any stage. And I wanted him to feel special. I wanted people to know, his, his was an, here's another example, mm -hmm. but I wanted him to feel special. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, so when, we, when we wrapped up that segment, we were heading home. This little guy was holding on my hand tighter than, than I've ever experienced that yeah. before. He was just so happy to be, to have experienced that with dad and, that's special, man. That's really it special. It is special. And, and it comes back to what I always share, and I think I share with you, Proverbs 22, 6, when you train up a child in the way that they should grow, when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. And I think that's what is, is so often missing. You know, talk to us, because you're out there in the, in the business environment. You're out there, you know, encouraging people and getting them to understand, you know, how to be a better person when it comes to sales and marketing and things of this nature. Why is it that we see so many of these young people that want to accept a socialist economic model and they don't want to understand the free market, the free, free enterprise, the, the entrepreneurial system that we have here in the United States of America? What, what do you think was the, the, the turning point 
other than, of course, we allowed the left to take over our colleges. But mm-hmm. what do you think has been the, the real turning point in that situation? I don't, I don't think we highlight enough heroes who can become role models to young folks who need to see that you don't have to depend on what you're given, that they're those who have gone out there. They stepped out in faith. They've had courage. Mm-hmm. They've had tenacity, persistency. And they were ever they were able to weather whatever storms came their way. So what's the exact opposite of that experience? Lazy, right? Uh, lacking confidence, lacking skills, just not willing to do the work, lacking persistency and tenacity, mm-hmm. right? If you are lacking those things, you're never going to go out and take a, a step out in faith as a business owner because you yeah. need to have a lot of faith to be an entrepreneur business owner. You need to be tenacious. You need to be persistent. You need to be constantly developing yourself to be better. Well, where do they teach that in school? You know, you, you're, you're taught in school for the most part to go work for somebody. Mm-hmm. And I know where are the entrepreneurial courses on campus? Where are the entrepreneurial courses at the high school level? Mm-hmm. Where do you teach persistency and, and commitment and most importantly, stamina? Yeah. You, you don't need much stamina to be an employee. Not wrong with being an employee. I was an employee once, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about to go out there and be a mover and a shaker. You have to have strong belief in yourself. You have to have a strong faith. You have to have a strong support system, which is the other component. There's no support structure at the home. There's no one is going to pat you on the back and say, go for it. I got your back. Where's that? Right. Yeah. So you've got all of these handicaps that these individuals are experiencing that are a lot of them are man-made handicaps and some of them are personal too, that, avoid, that uh, prevents them from saying, I'm going to journey into the unknown. I'm going to take a risk. Because and again, we don't teach it in school. They they don't yeah. see it. They don't hear it, unless it's rappers and that kind of stuff, yes. right? You know. So I think that we're doing a terrible job as a society highlighting those who are entrepreneurs and letting the young folks know if you work just as hard as they do, if you take the same leap of faith they did, if you develop yourself greater every day than the day before, you can achieve success too. But most people are just walking around as wandering generalities. And uh, that's not going to get any better. Um, at least I don't see it happening anytime soon unless we start to change the perception of the country. You know, it was incredible. You talked about how you looked at that park and instead of seeing cans and bottles, you saw a nickel and how that nickel could grow. You know, today we don't allow kids to go out and set up a lemonade stand unless they go and get a permit and go through all these regulations <laughs> and everything like that. I mean, imagine if you were out there collecting those you know, bottles and cans, you know, some some code enforcement person would probably come by and say, hey, little kid, what are you doing? You can't do that. I mean, uh, you've got to turn that over to the uh, to the unionized uh, recycling workers or something like that. How do we reinvigorate that that sense uh, of us stepping back and reducing that regulatory environment that will spur on. I, I remember Junior Achievement. I don't know if you remember Junior Achievement, uh, mm-hmm. where you went in, they had a mock little city street, and one day you could be the banker, and the next day you could be the grocery store manager, whatever, but you had to develop business plans. You had to develop financial plans and everything like that. I remember in school, you know, learning how to manage a household and writing checks and things of this nature. 
How can we get that back in there instead of diversity, equity, inclusion, and all this other nonsense that we're filling uh, our kids up with? I think that you have to go back and show people history. Yeah. We've got a, a great history uh, and examples of people and, and a time when we were, there was way more uh, entrepreneur freedom, less restrictions, right? Mm -hmm. It's a good point. You know, what if I had to have a, some kind of certificate or something to collect bottles of cans, right? Some regulation, I probably wouldn't have done it, right? Yeah. We've got to look back and say to, say to folks, hey, if it worked in the past, you know, we became an economic giant in this country on the heels of entrepreneurism at the turn of the century. When, when, when folks came here and people started to buy into this, I'm going to build my own business, the regulations were minimum. I mean, that you had some just to keep people in line, mm -hmm. but they weren't as they are today. And so what happened? Economic growth, economic boom. So all we have to do is go back to what's worked and say, hey, if we just embrace some of the things that we were doing, so the mindset that we had back then and sort of release the brakes a little bit today, we can have not only economic growth, but we can spur a whole new slew of entrepreneurs that mm -hmm. maybe won't be entrepreneurs because they just won't, don't want to deal with the red tape. Mm -hmm. we, we've, we've got to take the shackles off. We've got to take the handcuffs off and let's see where it goes. Obviously, it, it, some some regulations to be for, for you know, uh, fairness and practice and that yeah. kind of stuff. But my goodness, you know. We're born to be free. We're wired to be free. You know, the, the scriptures said that, you know, we were given the hands to create wealth, the ability to create wealth. Well, it's very difficult to create wealth with your hands. You've got one time behind your back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You're absolutely right. So let us use both hands. And I think we're going to spur an economic growth and brand new entrepreneurs over the next 25, 30, 50 years is going to change the, the next 200 years of this country. I hope we get there. I pray so. I mean, we have to because, again, it should be about economic empowerment, not economic enslavement. I think we're seeing too much of the latter. Talk to us about the Thrive Sales Mastery course. What is the, the purpose and the intent of this course? And how did you come up with this concept and this idea? It really was out of discouragement. I mean, I'm fine. I just gave a talk on Saturday and I was speaking about this. And it was to a group of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I see hungry, well-meaning, desiring people who do, those who do step out in faith, they have enough courage, they're persistent, they're tenacious, they're committed, they've got the stamina, but oftentimes they fail or they get less than, um, less than great results, poor results, because they lack skill set. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to have mindset, but you have to have skill set. One mm -hmm. without the other won't work. You'll get by. You'll win a few battles here and there, but the war is never going to be won if, uh, if you're if you're missing both components. So coming from a background of sales, I've been doing sales since I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned it in the trenches, but I also learned the academic side of it, the the psychological side of it in college. I had my degrees in psychology and in sales uh, and behavioral science. So. I, I know how it works both on an academic level and in the experience side of it. So I noticed how many people were in the sales saying the wrong thing, uh, using poor language, body language. And selling is nothing more than a psychological transmission of a message to the other person 
where you can have compliance. That's all it is. And we're all selling something to somebody every single day, right? Yeah. We're trying to persuade yeah. someone to our point of view. We're in a political season right now, brother. And you know, everyone's trying to sell their own point <laughs> oh, of view. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's how do you use the right language? How do yeah. you understand what's inside the other person's head? How do you figure out what to say so that you are in alignment with the other person's natural cognitive thinking patterns so you can have a greater alignment in thought, in word, in action, in physicality, in tonality, so that you can achieve what you want, compliance, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the first step towards compliance. So the Thrive Sales Mastery course takes all of my prior experiences, my academic experiences, my personal experiences in the field uh, in sales. And puts it together where that novice person who wants to become a ninja can stop getting in his own way, develop the skill sets so that he can see greater results. Let's talk about the light side of Jay Mamie, okay? Because we were talking off camera and you're pumping down a bunch of turkey, you know, for the protein, <laughs> getting ready for a competitive bodybuilding contest. What was it that got you involved in being a competitive bodybuilder? And is that kind of your, you know, means to extricate yourself and just uh, reduce the stress, kind of like me getting up at 530 and going and chunking off, you know, four or five miles? You know, I... I it gotten to the point where, yes, it's a great stress reliever. Um, I could not see myself not working out. Now, there's a difference between working out and staying fit and then really punishing yourself <laughs> and, <laughs> and by doing a competition. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking, what did I, what did I ever do to myself <laughs> yeah. that I am punishing myself, uh, not only with the, the dieting, uh, the restrictions of, of food, um, but you've got to get to the gym no matter how you feel, especially yeah. when you are at a competitive stage. Yeah. In fact, I, I put out a video a few weeks ago about Olympic because a competition I'm competing in in a few weeks is the Natural Mr. Olympia. Wow. It's the biggest biggest show. It's in Vegas, 5,000 global competitors. It's a three-day event. Um, so I thought to my, I said in that video, I said, you cannot expect Olympic effort if you're producing amateur efforts mm -hmm. uh, you know olympic results only are given to olympic efforts you put amateur efforts you're getting an amateur result mm -hmm. don't expect an olympic one and i was really talking to myself when i said that video because i realized i gotta i gotta step up my game here if i'm going to compete at this olympic level uh so i do it now because of, of i have a desire to get better every day and, and to compete against myself i always tell folks don't compare compete don't compare yourself against somebody else compete Right. Because yeah. um, then you'll, you'll, you'll be forced to get better, because if you compare yourself with someone else and you realize I'm better than that person, then you're going to stop pushing yourself because you yeah. can reach the plateau. But if you're constantly competing against yourself, you push to do better. That's what motivates me to continue to work out today. But years and years and years ago, the, the way I got involved in it, Colonel, was my uncle used to come over. He was a body. This is going back in the 60s now. Big 60s. Wow. He used to come over. And me and my brother, we we're feisty little guys. And, uh -huh. and uh, when he'd come over, in order to quote, sort of keep us tame and keep us at bay and help my mother out, these two were in bunches, seven and nine-year-old twins running around the house in the projects, he would come over twice a week and he would offer us a dollar as to who made more push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever Pablito, our yeah. uncle Pablito showed up, man, we were hitting the ground. Yeah. <laughs> And we were just this, but that instilled this this passion for working yeah. out. And we like we like the way we felt. I'm 10 years old. I got a little little pecs going here, you know. 
Yeah, and brother, you're, you're, I think you said your producer's also uh, into fitness and working out. Mm -hmm. if, if you ask him, once you develop pecs, man, you don't ever want to let those seeds. You don't want to see those those, those pecs go, right? Oh, and yeah. I got them early on, so I just kept on working out just so I wouldn't lose the pecs and the biceps. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I would tend to believe that you know just the same as the discipline of getting up and going to run, the discipline of going to the gym, that reaches into other aspects of your life as well without a doubt you know discipline is not a one i, I tell folks not a great question colonel because people ask me that all the time and i was on another show last week and the guy says my goodness you're doing this 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 and this and you're competing i say where do you find the time i said if you're disciplined um you can always find ways to do things if you develop an undertone of disciplinary behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. If you are running around like a crazy rank, a, a person with that's uh, easily distracted, then yeah, you're going to struggle trying to add on more things. Mm -hmm. But if you have a disciplined highway, and that's why I call it a disciplined highway, meaning I can have multiple lanes on that highway yeah. as long as I stay on the highway, right? It's when I'm looking at the off ramp and getting onto someone else's highway or some other highway that I have no business being on. That is a lack of discipline. Yeah. So, yeah, if I'm doing X, Y, Z, but I'm disciplined enough because I'm on my highway, I can add on another lane because I've developed the discipline to do that because I've got that highway. Mm -hmm. But without that, you're not going to be able to do much. So, yeah, getting up in the morning and working out, that's part of my discipline of beating and, and making my, uh, my, my business calls and scheduling my shows and Everything is structured and very few things are uh, that I'm surprised by on my daily routine because I have some structure to my day. I've pre-planned -pre my day. I'm mm -hmm. looking at what the next day looks like. And it takes years to develop that discipline. And uh, that, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't do, which holds it back. And the great thing is that all of those lanes that you have on your highway are all going into the same destination. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. That's you the know, key thing. My mom used to say, idle hands are the devil's playground. So mm -hmm. I, I think that so often when people don't sit down and, and try to look at constructive things that they can use with their time, then they, like you said, they get on the off-ramp, they look at someone else, they don't stay focused on the standard and compare themselves against the standard. So as we wrap up, how can people follow you? How can people invite you out to speak? Uh, how can people get in touch with Jay? Yeah, I, I make myself uh, fully available online. I'm not a secret agent. I'm not hiding anywhere. <laughs> if you go to, if you just Google Jay Mamie, you'll find my website. But if you specifically want to go to it, it's the, uh, it's thejmamie.com. So T-H-E, then my name, J-A-Y-M-A-Y-M-I.com. There they'll have links. That's my Nexus page. So they have links to my books, uh, my radio show, contact page, and all different ways to hear what I'm doing, see what I'm doing, and get in touch with me if I, if I hopefully can bring some value to their program. Now, you're down here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. Do you do a lot of speaking here in the North Texas area? And if so, when's the next time maybe some people can come out and check you out? Well, I'll be speaking this coming Wednesday in Dallas uh, at a Lunch and Learn event. It's the uh, Guild Mortgage. They're running a lunch and learn. And I'm coming in to speak about my latest book, The 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. <laughs> so I'll be speaking on that. Uh, next Tuesday, I'll be in Dallas, Fort Worth. There's a great event called the CEO Summit. 
Okay. Uh, I'll be one of the speakers there. That's an annual event. That's a, that's a big one. So uh, depending on when the show is airing, those are the two that are coming up within the next seven days. Give us the top three of your 10 toxic traits. The top Oof. three. Number one, procrastination. I think procrastination is the, the, the it, it derails inspiration. And we all procrastinate at one point or another, but it's when you take it too, too far and it, it, it manages you instead of you managing it, it becomes mm -hmm. toxic. I think impulsivity, we end up making decisions that aren't well thought through. And a lot of us, uh, you know, make decisions sometimes that we realize when we look back, it was an awful decision, but something about lacking discipline, right? Discipline, we talked mm -hmm. about that again. Um, you know, impulsivity is the exact opposite of somebody who has discipline in making decisions. It's a toxic trait and people can't get out of their own way doing that. Yeah. And the last one, I, I think that's, I mean, they're all important, but identity crisis. Yeah. We don't know who we are sometimes. And until you find out who you are, who's the guy behind the camera, mm -hmm. you're, don't, you're not the camera. You're the guy behind the camera. Until you figure out who that person is, you're going to make decisions that won't serve you best. Not going to align with your gifts and calling. You'll end up living a life uh, that you won't find fulfilling because you're not really tapping into who you are and what you're supposed to do. And again, you'll end up becoming a wandering generality. And I see that brother all the time. You know, it's very interesting. And we'll close on that. Mark Twain once said, there are two most important days in your life. It's the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. Find out. Mm -hmm. and, and I think so many people struggle with finding that second most important day in their life. Jay Mamie, thank you so very much. I look forward to us meeting and uh, having you down and grilling the steak after you get yes. finished with this bodybuilding stuff. Uh, I don't uh, want to yeah, break yeah. your diet or anything like that. <laughs> okay, but we'll have you down and we'll break bread. So God bless you and thank you so much, Jay. God bless you too, brother. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Very big shout out to a good dear friend of mine, Jay Mamie, who, you know, he and I are going to get together because he doesn't live too far away from me here down in Texas. And to each and every one of you, if you like this program, please click the like button, share it with others. And until next time, Steadfast and Loyal. Before they burn it down.